0: Father, we come before you. Lord, we thank you for this day. This is the day that you have made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Father, would you grow us in our relationship with you today? Would you open our eyes, our hearts, and our minds to your truth? Lord, today we honor mothers. We're thankful for them. Thankful, thankful Lord, for all that they have done for us and continue to do for us. And would you just bless them today, Lord? Keep them, cause your face to shine upon them. Lord, please bless this message. May you be glorified. May you be magnified in our lives, Lord. Would you remove anything in our hearts and minds that would hinder us from receiving your truth? So bless this message, Lord, and encourage our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so happy Mother's Day, as I mentioned, and I was deliberating on whether to stay in the Psalms or put together a Mother's Day message, and so... The title of today's teaching is Life Lessons from a Faithful Mother. Life Lessons from a Faithful Mother. So we'll go ahead and to, and jump into the text for today in a couple minutes, but I want to make a couple comments. First, first and foremost, I believe that faithful mothers deserve much more than one time a year to be recognized. And I say this often to Leah. I'm like, you guys deserve maybe one day a month set aside. I don't know, a couple days a month for all that you put up with, uh, with your husbands and with your kids and everything else in life. But all the work and the sacrifice, the impact that they've had in many of our lives and continue to have in many of our lives, it's amazing. And I know, and I personally confess that I underestimate and have in the past the day-to-day struggles that go on in the lives of mothers, Um, I forget how hard it is until Leah leaves the house. Maybe she goes on a one-day vacation if I let her. And I have the kids, and within a couple hours, I'm calling her, typically. Like, the house is almost burning down. But I'm losing my mind, and then she's like, it's only been a couple hours, and then things get settled down, usually. Um, I also take for granted my upbringing. Some of you know my story, and some of you know my mom. But it's amazing what my mom did over the years and it's a testimony to the grace of God and God's power and just his ability to sustain somebody with all that she went through working two jobs at different times taking us to school helping us with homework when we got home cleaning the house because her kids were too lazy half the time to do it and then she would take us to our games and practices and stay for our games She did so much in our lives, but most importantly, she led us. She led us to know the Lord faithfully. Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday after Sunday, week after week, year after year, she raised us in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. She was an example for us to follow after. And so I honor my wife, I honor my mom, I honor all you mother's here today. I mean, my mom even continues to be a faithful mother today. I can call her, I can text her at any time. she might even be at work. she probably tells she works at a dentist office. she probably tells Dr. Chang just a minute. I could see her working on someone's teeth and saying, "Just a minute, my son's calling because I know that it's important to her that her children are cared for and that we're loved and I I know she's always praying for us, and so I want to encourage you guys, whether you have kids in your house or out of your house, maybe you're empty nesters, to keep praying for your kids. Keep loving your kids. Keep being there for your kids, because you never know when they're going to come running to you for help and for answers or for anything, and so keep being there for them, and for those of you who don't have children, for those of you who Maybe you're young or old. You're ladies and you don't have children. Think of Mary Magdalene. Even think of Joanna and Mary, the mother of James and Josie and Salome, who the scripture tells us followed Jesus closely. They ministered to Jesus constantly. Mary, the mother of James and josie even though she was a mother, she made it her life to pour into Christ, his life, encourage him. There at the cross, There at the tomb, when he was resurrected from the dead, they ministered to him when so many others were too busy. So stay close to Jesus. Stay close to the body. Continue to minister to the church. God will bless you radically. I had a friend at the rescue mission that I used to work at, a chaplain. He would say, I don't like going to church sometimes because the messages are always directed at fathers or mothers or husbands or wives or marriage. or They're directed towards family. And he goes, what about me? I'm in my 40s. I'm a single man. Where are the messages for me? And so we can tend to do that in our culture is we can talk to certain groups and then others feel isolated. But nevertheless, every part of the body is indispensable. First Corinthians chapter 12, First Corinthians 14, the eye cannot say to the hand, I'm not in need of you. We all need each other. We all are to be honored in Christ. Yet today we honor and thank the Lord for mothers. So the text for today is 1 Samuel chapter 1. If you'll open your Bibles and join me in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Whether you're young today, old, have many children or no children, whether you're a man or a woman, this story has application in all of our lives. It's a story of a faithful, persistent, humble, woman of God let's read first Samuel chapter 1 verses 1 through 28 it says now there was a certain man from Ramatham Zophim from the hill country of Ephraim and his name was Elkanah the son of Jeroham the son of Elihu the son of Tohu the son of Zoph an Ephraimite and he had two wives the name of one was Hannah the name of the other was Panina, And Panina had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man would go up from the, his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests to the Lord there. And when the day came that Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Panina his wife, and to all her sons and her daughters, But to Hannah he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had closed her womb. Her rival, however, would provoke her bitterly to irritate her, because the Lord had closed her womb. And it happened year after year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she would provoke her, so she wept and would not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep, and why do you not eat, and why Is your heart sad? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Then Hannah rose after eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the temple of the Lord, and she greatly distressed, prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me, and not forget your maidservant but will give your maidservant a son then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and a razor shall never come on his head now it came about as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli was watching her mouth as for Hannah she was speaking in her heart only her lips were moving but her voice was not heard so Eli thought she was drunk then Eli said to her how long will you make yourself drunk put away your wine from you but Hannah answered and said no my Lord I am a woman oppressed in spirit I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink but I have poured out my soul before the Lord do not consider your maidservant as a worthless woman for I have spoken until now out of my great concern and provocation then Eli answered and said go in peace and may the God of Israel grant your petition that you have asked of him and she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Then they arose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord and returned again to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah had relations with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And it came about in due time, after Hannah had conceived, that she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. Then the man Elkanah went up with all his household to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, I will not go up until the child is weaned. Then I will bring him, that he may appear before the Lord and stay there forever. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Remain until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord confirm his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. Now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with a three-year-old bowl and one and flour jug of wine and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh, although the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bowl and brought the boy to Eli. And she said, O oh my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here besides you, praying to the Lord, For this boy I prayed, and the Lord has given me my petition which I asked of him. So I have also dedicated him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is dedicated to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. Many commentators believe the he there. In verse 28, he worshiped the Lord there, is none but Samuel. Some other commentators said he's too young. He couldn't be worshiping the Lord. But if you look at chapter 2 verse 11 it says then Elkanah went to his home in Ramah but the boy ministered to the Lord before Eli the priest. I believe from a young age this boy saw his mother's faith, her diligence in the word, her humble spirit and he took after his mother and he worshipped the Lord from a young age and ministered to him. These allergies are killing me so may the Lord be with me this morning. Keep um blowing my nose about 20 times a day but praise God so this week I watched a pastor's conference actually got together with 14 guys from the Treasure Valley to pray for one another pray for the community pray that the Lord would bless us in the ministry and encourage those who the Lord allows us to serve 14 of us went up to a cabin in McCall for three days and ate Oreos and beef jerky and felt the ramifications of that on our ride home. But we watched a conference uh, for three days. I watched about seven sermons in three days, question and answer sessions. It was an encouraging time. Got to know guys that I've never met before. They welcomed me right in. They told me I'm part of their family. They said, whether you like it or not, you're part of our family now. Give me your phone number. We're going to check in on you. Make sure you're doing well. And so it's always encouraging to meet new believers. And David talks about how I'm a companion of those who fear you, O Lord. If you fear the Lord, it's like we're on the same team. We might have some differences, and we can talk about those in love, but we're on the same team or fighting the same fight, trying to win the loss to the Lord and encourage the saints. One of the sermons this week that I watched was on 2 Corinthians chapter 12, talking about Paul's thorn in the flesh. 2 Corinthians 12:7 says, Paul said, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, to keep me from exalting myself. Paul was taken up into the third heaven. He says, into the heavenly realm to see things he could not even talk about or explain. He was blown away. And because of that and other visions, he says, God gave me a thorn in the flesh so that I would not exalt myself, so that I would stay humble. I would stay needy. I would stay dependent on the Lord. Now it says Satan gave him that thorn, but can Satan do anything in our lives without God allowing him to? No, he can't. So who really gave Paul the thorn? Well, the Lord. The Lord allowed it. Paul gave, was given this thorn, I believe, by the Lord so that Paul would stay humble and reliant on him. And if you know the story, Paul cried out three times, remove this thorn. And God says, no, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. God's power is perfected in our weakness. When we're weak, then we're strong because it causes us to go to the Lord, right? causes us to get on our knees before him when perhaps we wouldn't. God gives us all thorns. As Christians, we all have thorns in our lives. Sometimes God takes the thorn out of our lives and sometimes, like Paul, he says, no, this one's going to stay. We don't know what Paul's thorn was some believe it was eyesight some believe it was false teachers that kept harassing him and bothering him and hindering his message some believe it was some sort of ailment there's many different interpretations there yet we all have thorns to keep us humble to keep us weak to keep us needy one pastor at this conference shared how his father was a missionary in Brazil pastor said, I was young. My father took me and my mom, and we went down to Brazil. He actually said within three and a half months, he learned the language and preached a 45-minute message in Portuguese. Now, the way he made it sound was that his father had no familiarity with the language until then, picked it up, and then preached. It was amazing. He said, so that was like his fame to glory, so to speak, was preaching this message, and he took off running, and he was encouraging people down there and winning people to the lord but after 13 months he got a stomach bug and he got really sick and this pastor said well just to keep it blunt my dad was incontinent and he said he struggled with it the rest of his life and after 13 months he got so sick he had to come back to america and he said it was humiliating and it was something his dad struggled with forever and he said i think this was my dad's thorn in the flesh It was to keep him weak and needy and dependent on the Lord. This pastor went on to share how um, he was in college, and I actually wanted to share this story later, but I'll share it now because it relates. But he was in college, and he had more Greek units than those in seminary, his seminary professors. He's sitting down with his professors, and they're going, you know more Greek than we do. You've taken more classes in Greek than we have. You know more than we do. And he said he got puffed up. He was really prideful and arrogant. Like, Why do I need, even need to be here? So he started applying for churches, pastoral jobs. He wanted to be a pastor. And time after time, they were turning him down. Finally, one church got back to him. It's like, praise God. They said, well, we want to offer you a job. I said, cool. Janitor? Janitor? And he humbled himself. He goes, I need to pay the bills. I'm running out of time. No one else is getting back to me. For a year, he scrubbed toilets. He cleaned the sanctuary. He said he learned more in that year than he did in all of seminary. This man preached at this conference, went on to serve the Lord for 40 years. He's a pastor of a church for 20 years, dean of a seminary. God had to break him, he says, to keep him humble, to give him a thorn so that he would cry out to the Lord. Point number one, I want to give you five life lessons from the life of Hannah. Five life lessons from the life of Hannah in this story. Point number one, life lesson, God gave Hannah a thorn in the flesh. God gave Hannah a thorn in the flesh. Verses five and six from 1 Samuel chapter one. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, that's Elkanah, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had closed her womb. Her rival, however, would provoke her bitterly to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. Twice, we're told in verses five and six, the Lord closed her womb. The Lord closed her womb. She desperately wanted a son. She's looking at Elkanah's other wife, Peninnah, which is an interesting name. I've never met a Peninnah, and I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. But here she is harassing her, irritating her, provoking her. She has these children, but is jealous. And oh so badly does Hannah want a child. Perhaps part of her flesh wants a child to just say, look, now I have a child and just rub it in her face. Now the text doesn't say that, but perhaps there's part of her that wanted a child for that reason. There's a struggle going on in her heart. It's a double thorn being barren and then being provoked most translations translate it to irritate hannah verse 6 is why she provoked her some translations like the new king james says to make her miserable the hebrew word is raam it's translated throughout the old testament actually as thunder around 10 times she was thundering her provoking her irritating her one concordance says It means to be violently agitated, to make to fret, to roar thunder to trouble. She's constantly badgering her right in her ear. Look at me. Look at my kids. You have none. Childish, right? Nanny, nanny, nanny. Look at you. She was trying to elicit a response in Hannah, trying to get under her skin, trying to drive her to anger, pushing her buttons. This wasn't a minor thorn. This wasn't an irritating little splinter that you and I might get, like my daughter Mercy got the other day running in the backyard with no shoes and socks on, as my kids love to do for some reason. I have to keep telling them, put shoes on. There's yellow jackets and bees and all these thorns, and they don't listen, and then they come running in. My son cut his foot the other day on some plastic toy that he has that he stepped on. Mercy had a splinter in her foot. It's like, I guess you guys are going to have to learn on your own. But for Hannah, this wasn't a little splinter. This was a dagger. This was a dagger to her heart. This was a deep wound. This was extremely painful and agonizing, which leads us to our second point. Second life lesson is that Hannah patiently endured the pain. Verse 7, And it happened year after year. Year after year, as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she would provoke her. So she wept and would not eat. Here she's getting this double portion. Elkanah is blessing her with the sacrifice. He's giving some to Penina and her children, yet a double portion, perhaps leaving the savory parts for Hannah, and yet she can't eat. She's devastated. She's weeping bitterly. She's sorrowful in her heart. And this happened year after year. This wasn't a short-term thorn in the flesh. This wasn't something that she lived with for a couple days or a couple months. Year after year, Hannah could have said, I'm not coming up to the house of the Lord anymore. Why am I wasting my time traveling all this way to serve the Lord and worship him? I'm done. I am done. God's not giving me what I want. I'm tired of being abu- abused. I'm tired of being provoked. Why am I going to waste my time crying out to God? He's not hearing my prayers. She could have said those things. Yet she patiently endured. Year after year, she went up and she was obedient, faithfully obedient to the Lord. She endured. I love Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Through 3. Therefore, it says, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the weight that so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against themselves so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I think we'll be benefited if we're just reminded of those three verses every sermon. Endure. The writer to the Hebrews is saying, endure. Lay aside the weights. Lay aside the encumbrances. Lay aside the sins that are tripping you up. It's hard enough to run this race we're all in, so lay aside these sins and weights that are pulling you back. And then he says, fix your eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of faith. Look to him. Be like him. Scripture says like Flint, he set his heart, his mind, his face to Jerusalem. He cast everything aside. Peter tried to get in the way. He said, get behind me, Satan. Whatever was in the way was cast aside. He was on a mission. And so the writer to the Hebrews says endure as he endured so that you don't grow weary and lose heart. There's a temptation in the Christian life to lose heart heart, to grow weary, to get tired. This isn't a sprint. This is a marathon and we're in it together. We're helping each other out. Problem is, how do we help someone out when we're too busy with all these weights and encumbrances, sins that are holding us back? We're so busy trying to get rid of our own entanglements that we can't look to our brother and help them. So the goal is to get freed up so that we can serve one another and help each other get to the finish line so Hannah is enduring she continues to go to the house of the Lord the pastor at this conference that I watched he said at 10 years old he went into his dad's office it was that same pastor I brought up a minute ago this pastor who was a missionary or his dad was a missionary and he said dad I know you're a missionary I know that you preach the word I know you're a pastor and people are going to think I want to preach here he is 10 years old dad, I want to preach. And people are going to think I want to preach, dad, because you're a preacher. And he goes, that's part of the reason, but I just want to honor God with my life, and I think God's gifted me to preach. This was his dad's response. Quote, get used to saying yes to God. Son, you're 10 years old, get used to saying yes to God. Be obedient, and God will take care of the rest. Isn't that true for all of us? I wrote that down I was taking a lot of notes get used to saying yes to God Lord but I want to do this for you and I want to do this great thing for you and and whatever it may be just get used to being obedient to the Lord to saying Lord here I am whatever you have for me in my life Lord be glorified in my family be glorified in my church be glorified if it's scrubbing toilets if it's taking out the trash Lord I want to do that and that's what this man ended up doing serving the Lord in a church as a janitor Even though he knew from the time of 10 years old he wanted to be a preacher. Talk about patiently enduring in him. We live in a very fast-paced, have-it-now, microwave, so to speak, culture. We want it all now. I want to go straight to the top. People get into ministry, I want the 10,000-person church right now. Or I want to be like that pastor. I want to speak like this person. That's how I felt watching these sermons. The guy's talking for an hour with these extraordinary stories and breaking down the Greek and the Hebrew and exegeting the text and speaking so eloquently. Lord I want to do that. Oh this man has been in the ministry for 50 years and the Lord's perhaps gifted him in a very special way. So Lord praise God for that man. And That's another thing is we can easily look at each other and compare ourselves to what other people are doing instead of saying Lord what do you have for me? These are my desires, Lord. These are my gifts. Use me for your glory. So the Lord was teaching Hannah something. Year after year, patiently as she's enduring, the Lord was teaching her. He was teaching her to wait, teaching her to stay obedient, teaching her, as this pastor said. To his son say yes to God teaching her to say yes to him to continue to pray to him to continue to worship him in the house even though she was in pain and hurting to worship the Lord in the house of the Lord and that's the church isn't it we come in here sick at least we should from time to time because we're not perfect I think if we're honest we get beat up at times out there in the world don't we non-believers Satan Satan the world the flesh and the devil we're in a fight we're soldiers and at times we get scars we get wounds we get hurt we get bruised we get beaten up and the church is a hospital and this is where we come to get those wounds binded this is where we come to find refreshment this is where we come to find encouragement where we come to get our hearts lifted that's why the writer to the Hebrews says fix your eyes on jesus yes this race is hard yes you need to endure The key is fixing your eyes on Christ. And that's what we do when we go to church is we look to Jesus and we say, help. I read of a pastor. He has a big note in his office on his computer with one word, help. And that's, I keep going back to that, but that's a big word for me. Help. Help, Lord. I need your help. That's Hannah's heart, I believe, in this text. Help, Lord. This woman's provoking me. She's irritating me. I'm not getting what I want. Lord, you know my desire. Year after year, I want a son, and I'm not getting him. So help, Lord. Sustain me. Help me to endure. Life lesson number three. Hannah was a persistent prayer warrior, fully reliant on the Lord. She was a persistent prayer warrior. Prayer warrior, verse 10. And she, that's Hannah, greatly distressed, prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. The Oxford Dictionary defines persistence as, quote, a firm or obstinate continuance in a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. Here she's being opposed, but she is going to continue in this course of action. She's going to continue in prayer. I love Luke chapter 18. Jesus gives this parable to his disciples and he begins the parable by saying, Luke says, now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. That was Jesus' intention of sharing this parable was that they need to pray. Jesus knows that they are weak. Jesus knows that we are weak. And he knows that we need prayer to sustain us so he shares this parable and you guys know the parable in Luke 18 many of you do it's this woman who goes to this unrighteous judge says the judge doesn't honor men and he doesn't fear God it's like many judges today in America right corrupt this woman keeps going to the judge render me my verdict give me legal protection day after day she bothers this judge she annoys this judge To the point where he admits i'm being worn out i am bothered by her your request is met sure where do you want me to sign what do you want me to do for you so that you will get out of my face is essentially what the text says he rendered her her verdict what is jesus trying to say in this parable that we bother god when we pray to him that we annoy him no, he's using it as an example to show that's how fervent, that's how persistent in our prayers we need to be to God, constantly knocking at his door. Here I am, Lord, it's me again. I need help. I need your provision. I have needs, I have desires. And Jesus begins to co- conclude the parable in Luke eighteen seven by saying, Now shall not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? Asking, it shall be given to you, seek and you'll find knock and the door will be open to you. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your heavenly Father know how to give good gifts? And as one gospel says, the Holy Spirit to those who cry out to him, God will give you good gifts. Not o- he's not always going to answer our prayers though, like Hannah. He's not always going to give us what we want. He's not always going to give us what we desire. He's going to give us something better than that. He's going to give us what he desires for us. He's going to give us what we need. He's going to bring us into closer communion with Jesus. And that's what we need more than anything, and that's what prayer does. I love what Paul says in Philippians 3, I want to know Christ the power of his resurrection to share in his sufferings and be conformed to his death in order that I may obtain the resurrection from the dead not that I have already obtained it or have become perfect but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus brethren I don't regard myself as having laid hold of it yet one thing I do forgetting what lies behind reaching forward to what lies ahead I press on towards the goal for the prize of God in Christ Jesus I'm pressing on. I'm pressing in. I want to be closer to Jesus. That's what prayer does. It unites us to the heart of God. It unites us to his son, and God gives us more of his Holy Spirit when we seek him in persistent prayer. Another pastor at this conference was asked after 40 years of ministry, what's your number one regret? What's your number one regret? And he didn't have to think about it for more than two seconds. He said, I would pray more. That was what he said. That was his answer. That was his number one regret in the ministry. He would pray more. Are you struggling? Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are you at a good season in your life? Take it to the Lord in prayer all the more. James 5:13 Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him let him sing songs or praises to the Lord. I love that song, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear, what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit, oh, what needless pain we bear all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Hannah made sure to stay in prayer. Oh, it must have been hard, I'm sure, being provoked and bothered and irritated, yet she cried out to the Lord. She cried out to the Lord so fervently in such desperation that Eli, the priest, thought that she was drunk. That's what the text goes on to say. She's mumbling with her mouth. Words aren't coming out. She's in there crying out to the Lord, her heart, she actually says, I'm pouring out my spirit, Eli, to the Lord. No, I'm not drunk, I'm just pleading with the Lord that he would meet my request. You see that just humility, that desperation, that neediness, and that's not there in many of our lives unless there's a thorn there to accompany it. That thorn drove her to her knees. She says in verse 15, I'm a woman oppressed in spirit, verse 16 she speaks of being of great concern and provocation her trial didn't push her away from God it drove her to him I love what Matthew Henry said Quote, prayer is heart's ease to a gracious soul prayer will smooth the countenance it should do so none will long remain miserable who use a right the privilege of going to the mercy seat of a reconciled God in Christ Jesus. Life lesson number four. Hannah was willing to give over to the Lord the very thing she wanted more than anything. Hannah was willing to give over to the Lord the thing she wanted more than anything. Verse 11. She made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, If you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant but will give your maidservant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and a razor shall never come on his head. Not only is she willing to give her son over to the Lord, she's doing what number six tells us is a Nazarite vow. A razor shall never touch his head. He will be separate, holy to the Lord. The Nazarite was to not eat grapes, drink wine, to do many things that others would do to show that they were separated, holy. It was a sign of this vow unto the Lord. Like Samson, like John the Baptist, other Nazarites in the scripture who did many, many mighty, powerful, awesome things for the Lord. This was her prayer. This was her heart's cry that he would be a Nazarite, And so many commentators believe that Samuel was a perpetual Nazarite. Which, man, if the razor never did touch his hair, he must have had some pretty long hair by the end of his life. And if you remember the story of Samson, his hair continued to grow long until his wife deceived him or girlfriend. Um, Philistine woman, right? You know the story. And there his power went. He didn't trust the Lord. That was actually a very sad story in many ways but here is Hannah crying out to the Lord she says three times in verse 11 that she is a maidservant you see that word a maid a maidservant it's actually translated slave in the NASB Bible ten times in the Old Testament it's a word signifying utter dependence on another if you remember the story of Ruth which comes right before First Samuel in our Old Testament in Ruth chapter 3 verse 9 Ruth lays at the feet of Boaz she takes the advice of Naomi and she goes in there she lays at his feet which was somewhat of a ritual in those days and startled at night Boaz says who are you Ruth responds I am your maid Ama, same Hebrew word used in verse 11 When Hannah says, I am your maidservant, that's what Ruth says. Boaz, I'm your maid. I'm your servant. Here I am, she goes on to say in Ruth chapter 3, spread your covering over your maid. Spread your covering over me. Take me in. I'm destitute. I'm nothing. I'm from a foreign land, Moab. You are a wealthy man, powerful my life is in your hands. Spread this blanket over me. I'm but your maid. A sense of humility, surrender, dependence upon another. If you know the story, Ruth ends up being taken in by Boaz and together they bear a child, Obed, who later fathers Jesse and some of you may have heard of Jesse's son, David. Ruth is the great-grandmother of King David. And if you know the story of Hannah, she, as we read, conceives Samuel, and who anoints David as king? Samuel. The two stories interject to, to one another. They intersect. David and Samuel, two great men of God, two great men who changed the trajectory of history in Israel, great leaders Great men of God, two stories that began with two great women of God who were but maidservants. Two humble women of God. Amazing. God gives God gives grace to the humble, he rejects the proud. That's what we learn from this story and many stories throughout Scripture. What Hannah's prayer reminds us is that God's will and God's glory should be at the center of every one of our prayers. In verse 11, she says, if you will look, if you will look on the affliction of your servant, then she concludes, then I will give him to the Lord. Here's my request. If you will meet it, your is essentially your will be done, you be glorified, and if you do this, I will then do this. I will give him over to you. Recently, Lee and I were praying that the Lord would open the door for a new house, and praise God he did. And part of our prayer with that was, Lord, we want to give this house to you. Right? It's not our house, it's yours. So Lord, if it be your will, if you will take this, Lord, and use it for your glory, we'll give it back to you. Lord, we want to have people over. We want to have Feast of Charities. We want This house to be in your name, so to speak. We want you to be glorified. We want your peace to be on this house. And we've done that with the last two houses. When we moved to our rental house with Leah's sister in law and her brother, we moved in there. I think Leah was pregnant at the time and her sister was pregnant. Four bedroom, two bath, 1400 square foot house. It wasn't too bad for two couples. And then Leah had Leland and Michaela had Judah. And it still wasn't too bad and then we had another kid and they had another kid so we had what four kids running around with four parents running around in a small house and then it became challenging and the Lord by his grace opened up other places for us and it's quite a story but when we moved into that house I've just felt strongly I called Daniel and Michaela into the kitchen I said we need to pray over this house and I said we need to pray that the Lord would be glorified in this house that the Lord would use this house for his namesake, that his word would go forth in this house. And I didn't even know what to pray. I just said, Lord, please bless this house. And by God's grace, that's when we started to have the young adults over. And we would have the fire pit in the backyard, and sometimes one young adult would come, and we say young adults. was 18 to 30 years old, and sometimes others that were 31 or 32 thought it was pretty cool, and they even snuck in too. And so we're like man we don't want to kick them out maybe we should like move the age to 35 or 40 because we have some close friends in their 30s maybe they can come too but it was a really blessed time and there was even nights where 30 40 college students were sitting in our backyard praising and worshiping the lord and i don't know where they were all at and perhaps perhaps some of them saw some good-looking people from the other side of the spectrum so to speak the Guys were looking at the girls and the girls at the guys. I don't know. God knows their hearts. But God's word was proclaimed and we praised and worshiped him and I believe God met that prayer. And so when we moved to our next house, we prayed the same thing and by God's grace, he kept bringing the young adults over to where we had to kick them out of our house at midnight or one in the morning at nights. I'd be in bed and Leah, I'd look over. She wasn't there. I'd look out the front window. She'd be outside ministering to the ladies in the front yard 12 in the morning, one in the morning. Such a blessing. God meets our prayers. He meets our needs richly when we cry out to him, when we depend on him, and when we give him the things that he has given us back to him because it's really not ours. But it's not easy to do. It's, easy, it's easier to say the prayer. It's harder to keep what we say in the prayers to God. And so the Lord's grown us in that over the years. We haven't always been like that. Or else perhaps I would be in the ministry at a lot younger age because I would have got my eyes off of myself a lot earlier. So, what we can learn from Hannah is she was willing to give up the very thing she wanted more than anything back to the Lord. Just like Abraham took Isaac up to that mountain to give him back to the Lord. Even though God said from his seed all the nations of the earth would be blessed, Abraham knew that God could raise him up. Hannah's giving her son to the Lord. It's all a picture of God's love ultimately in Christ. John three sixteen. right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Her love for her son is truly a picture of God's love for his son and for the world. It's really all the Lord's. This is what the scripture teaches. Job 41, 1. God says, Who has given to me that I should repay him? Everything under heaven is mine psalm 50 verses 10 through 12 god says for every animal of the forest is mine the cattle on a thousand hills i know every bird of the mountains and everything that moves in the field is mine if i were hungry i would not tell you for the world is mine and everything it contains everything is god's hannah knows this hannah acknowledges this says, God, if you will but give me a son, I will give him back to you. Life lesson number five. And finally, Hannah faithfully kept her word and the Lord richly blessed her. Verse 28. So I have also dedicated him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is dedicated to the Lord and he worshiped there. I love that. How easy it must have been for Hannah to say, okay, God, now you've given me this child. Uh, I'm 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 just going to hold on to him, okay? I'm going to keep him. I didn't quite mean what I said. Thank you. Some of us perhaps have done that in our lives. Lord, if you'll do this, if you'll just rescue me from this situation. I prayed like that in my early 20s. I went into my mom's room in our little two-bedroom apartment, came back from a night of sin and foolishness and i said mom i i think i was having some sort of panic attack and i was freaking out and i was crying and i'm like i need to go to the hospital i don't remember all that i said but she turned worship music on and i was in her room on the floor praying and crying out to god and i said lord please rescue me from this and i made all sorts of vows that night i think i was 21 years old lord if you rescue me from this i'll be a missionary i'll do this lord i'll do that All these vows going out to, I want to bless so many people, Lord. And by God's grace, he did, and I lived on the next day, and he blessed me in so many ways, and I forgot about many of the vows that I made that night to him. And for my 20s, it was a tough road. 22 23 i had to say goodbye to my friends the lord did start answering some of those prayers little by little i still had a lot of struggles in my life i still had a lot of things that i needed to cut off and give to the lord and little by little he met those prayers and little by little he humbled me and gave me thorns in the flesh so that i would cry out to him all the more and keep some of those vows that i made that night but hannah seems like she's already there she's ready The Lord gives her Samuel, and she's ready to give him right back to the Lord. I'm ready to dedicate him to you, Lord. And that's a testimony to her humility, her faithfulness, her trust in the Lord. It's beautiful to see. Some commentators believe Samuel was maybe two or three because she says she weaned him, verse 24. Now, when she had weaned him, she took him up with her. And then at the end of verse 24, it says the child was young. And we don't know exactly how old he was. What does it mean to wean? Does that mean she was weaning him off the bottle and off, and off of baby food? And so perhaps he was two or three. That's what some commentators believe. She was giving him to the Lord at that age. Some believe closer maybe to like eight to 10 years old, weaning him from a time of a child. And now he's on his own two feet enough to where he can minister in the house of the Lord. If you ask Lee and I to give up Leland or Verity, for a couple months we probably would gladly say okay if you guys want to take them in I can dedicate them to the Lord for a couple months nice little break but if you say give up Leland and give him over to minister to the Lord I'm going to put up a fight I'm not going to easily let him go right it's going to break my heart so as we read this story here she is she's ready here he is Lord and we don't see tears anymore. But I'm sure somewhere in her heart, there's a struggle going on here. She's giving up this boy for life. He's the Lord's now. I'm keeping my vow. I'm giving him to you. And the joy overcomes any sorrow or despair that's in her heart. And all, most of chapter 2, at least the 11 verses, hers, is her joy and exclamation and exalting of the Lord for giving her this son Samuel. And we see a phrase in chapter 2 verse 19. If you want to look there for just a minute. First Samuel 2:19. See if you catch this phrase. It's a phrase that we touched on earlier in the story. It says and his mother would make him a little robe and bring it to him from year to year when she would come up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice it's a short statement but I think there's something profound in it year to year she joyfully would make a little robe for Samuel and see him grow in stature and favor with God and man yet the phrase is year after year year after year it's the same phrase we saw in verse 7 of chapter 1 and it happened year after year As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she would provoke her, so she wept and would not eat. It's a beautiful story. There she was at the beginning, year after year, as though her prayers weren't being met, being agitated and stirred up and provoked. All those painful memories, now here she is year after year, going up to the house of the Lord in joy bringing this robe, seeing this little son of hers worship the Lord, minister to the Lord, growing in intellect and wisdom and favor and what joy it must have brought her heart. Psalm 126, verse 5, those who sow in tears will reap with shouts of joy. Psalm 126, verse 6, he who goes out weeping bearing a trail of seed, will surely return with shouts of joy, carrying sheaves of grain. And Psalm 30, verse 5, weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Hannah went on to be blessed. The Lord actually gave her three more sons and two more daughters after Samuel. Most of you know the story of Samuel. He went on to be this great man of God who feared God. He was a great prayer warrior, He anointed Saul. He anointed King David. He was a man of holiness, even rebuking the kings to their face. And when he went to anoint King David in Bethlehem, it says all were in fear as he marched into town and even asked him, do you come in peace? People had respect for Samuel. They feared God and honored him because of his faithfulness to the Lord, which ultimately points back to his mother's faithfulness, Hannah. But ultimately, this story's not about Samuel. It's not about Hannah. It's about God. The glorious, awesome, majestic God comes down to this humble, contrite woman. This compassionate God, this sympathetic, this caring God hears her prayer. And he hears our prayers too, doesn't he? He meets all of our needs in Christ Jesus. Listen to Hannah as she sums up what I'm saying here in chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. It says, Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord, my horn is exalted in the Lord, my mouth speaks boldly against my enemies, because I rejoice in your salvation. There is no one holy like you, Lord. Indeed, there is no one besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. She gives God all praise all glory exalts him says there's none like him and he is the rock on which she builds her life and so as I close I have a question for us will God forget about your needs will God forget about your struggles will he forget about your thorns in the flesh or your desires or your hopes will God forget about you because Hannah's prayer was Lord remember me Lord, remember me. Here's God's answer. Can a woman forget her nursing child, that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, but I will never forget you. God remembered Hannah. God will remember you and I. As Jesus said, he will not delay long over them. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Lord, would you bless us all in Christ? Would you bless the mothers here today? Help us all, Lord, to endure in Jesus Christ, to run the race that is set before us. May we cast aside any sin or encumbrance, Lord, and may we run with endurance, fixing our eyes on Jesus. We thank you, Lord, as we transition now to take communion. Prepare our hearts, Lord, And create in us a clean heart, Lord, as we sang earlier. Humble hearts before you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.